All right, let's get into a little bit of a word, can we? I desire your prayers for the next uh, few minutes to two hours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, two, and I really, I done a really poor job of, of announcing this, which you know me, you expect that. But a couple people had asked, and you know, two years ago we did a New Year's Eve watch service. We didn't last year because New Year's Eve fell on Saturday, and then we had service right back Sunday. And this year, where we do midday, you know, we might not get out of here till 7 or 8 o'clock tonight. It used to happen. It used to happen. So I just d decided because of that, the way it fell, but I fully plan, unless we're in heaven together next year, We'll we'll try to do a New Year's Eve watch service. We'll start back again next year. But that's the reason that we decided not to this year. But if, I mean, seriously, if the Lord starts moving and we want to just worship all the way through till midnight, I don't care. I don't care. I promise. Luke 1, and I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 8 and 1. We'll get to Luke in a minute. 1 Samuel 8 and 1, while you're turning there, I do want to say how good it is to have Brother Keller and Sister Sabrina here with us uh, today. I know a lot of you uh, know uh, Brother Robert Keller. He's uh, our uh, fellowship president, been a, an active member of our fellowship uh, for, for many, many years, and this is Brother Keller's son that's here with us today, so... We're grateful to have him and Sister Sabrina here with us. I enjoyed that. And uh, listen, we I've I've felt good all morning, and and we can I can tell you we can all agree this year's been a lot of ups and downs. You know, it's I'm not one of them prosperity guys that tells you it's the the, the road gets rocky sometimes, the cross gets heavy sometimes, and my papa always used to say he said he never told us that it would be always be rosy. But he said, but there'll be roses all along the way. And in spite of everything, God's still God and God's still good. And there's a lot of things that I'm still waiting for him to move on, but I believe he will. But we've had a good year here. As I said, we've had people this year, we've had people join, we've had people baptized, uh, we've had new people coming in We've had uh, uh, old friends coming back. And we've, above all of that, we've seen a great move of the Spirit of God. Amen. People being filled with the Holy Ghost. Boy, that's important. We need that today, don't we? We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But I'm looking for greater things until the Lord comes back. I'm looking for even greater things. Your children are coming. Your husbands and wives are coming. Your friends and neighbors, your brothers and sisters are coming. You know, we we hear all the time. I'll get to this in a minute. I'll do my best, I promise. But we hear all the time about the falling away in the last days, and it'll happen. And we hear about things waxing worse and worse, and that'll happen. And we hear about wars and rumors of wars, and, and all of that will happen. But can I tell you, there'll also be a great revival in the last day. And there'll be people come that we've prayed for for years. They're coming. People you might never expected. They're coming. People you don't even know, they're coming. It's already happening. And I believe right now that, oh my God, I believe right now that God is preparing His bride. Amen. He's preparing 
his bride. We're talking about self-reflection here. Everybody does that in the new year, right? We, we make all these promises that we never keep. And I, we do, you know. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I've done decided. I'm going to start losing weight in the new year. We make promises that we're never going to keep. But as we take this time of year and, and do this self-reflection and, and, and all this, you know, just being so introspective and stuff, what we really need to do is make sure that our garment is without spot. That's all that matters. You can have the whole world and lose your soul. You can have all the fame and fortune of this world. We talked about that with the rich man and Lazarus Wednesday night and still lose your soul. Give me Jesus and him crucified. I want to be ready when the Lord comes because I think it's sooner than we think. And I felt, I felt good since I've been here. I woke up this morning. I've been watching all kinds of music, listening stuff, watching, you know, Jimmy Swaggart's service on TV. And I watched an old cathedral uh, show and then watched an old <coughs> crab family show and, and just felt good before I even got here. Just felt like God's going to do something. I feel him ever since I've been here. <coughs> but guess what? We can feel him just as much in the word. As we do in everything else. Amen. You agree with me on that? So last week. We talked about. Just a little bit of a recap. We talked obviously about what. Um, what the birth represented. And when we talked about. This, this son of God who is relevant and present all through the Old Testament too. He, is, he can be found all through the Old Testament too. He was at the right hand of the Father. He was seated in royalty. And he chose to take on a life of immortality and perfection and glory. And as I said, he didn't even start as a baby. He started as an embryo. He started in the womb of a teenager. And the son of God who had the discretion of heaven at his fingertips. He had legions of angels at any time at his disposal. Had to depend on a teenage girl to feed him. And clothe him. And change him. That's how low our Lord came. To fulfill what he came to fulfill. That's how glorious our Lord is, that he was willing to do that. Now, we know, as I said, because last week really segues into this week, we all know and we understand and we recognize that he came to fulfill a lot of things. And I talked to somebody uh, the other day, almost two hours, and he, he kept trying to, I, I, I don't know if I made any ground with him or not. A man just called me just out of the blue looking for some answers. But he kept talking about why Jesus had to come and replace what was done. He was deep into the Torah and the Mosaic law and all those things. He said, but why did Jesus have to come to replace that? What he didn't understand, and I tried to tell him, he didn't come to replace it. He came to fulfill it. He was the fulfillment of the law. And we know that he came to fulfill that ceremonial law of sacrifice. We know he done that right. The Bible says that he did it once and for all. So I want to get into a little bit more. Of sometimes that we might not really recognize. Another reason why he came. Now we know. That the re everything was flawed from Adam and Eve. Everything. Right. 
was flawed. And nobody that ever graced this earth but him was perfect enough to fix that. Because he was the only flawless human. The Bible says that he was tempted in all points even as we were tempted. What? Yet without sin. The word also says that there was no guile found in his mouth, right? So here we go. This is, a, we're talking about another fulfillment. First Samuel 8, it says, it came to pass. I feel the Holy Ghost today. I, I'm, I'm looking for God to do something. It came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Go down to verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. You can read also during this time, the Bible tells us in places it said that all the people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. There's, there's the problem. They did what was right in their own eyes. And they looked around and they seen what else was going on all in the world. And they decided we want what the world has. Listen to that. Does that sound familiar? They said we want what the world has. Give us a king. Give us a king. And Samuel knew it, was, it wasn't of God's will. But sometimes if you want something bad enough and it's not in God's will, he'll let you have it anyway. Why? Maybe just to teach you a lesson. And he said, okay, go ahead. He said, just remember, Samuel, you're not who they rejected. It's me. Boy, there's some power. Now. I mean, there's some just a woe about that scripture. Amen. And Samuel, Samuel warned them that they would not heed. So God directed him. He said, okay, I'll tell you who to anoint. Now think about this. There was a reason for every king that was anointed and appointed. And I believe that God sent Samuel to good men of God. But they didn't always stay that way. Now the first king we know, right? I mean, I'm sure everybody knows. The first king that was anointed as king of uh, Israel was Saul. And Saul was a righteous man for a while. But what does Saul have in common with each and every one of us? He was flawed. He was mortal. He was under the curse, the fleshly curse of sin. So when Saul got to a certain point, I'm just going to talk about the first three for a minute. There were many, but the first three. So when Saul started to transgress God and God gave uh, the, the direction to Saul that I'm ripping that from you. And I'm going to give it to another. So he had Samuel seek out someone else. Now, other than some of the, the folks, Jesus and, and a couple of the apostles in the New Testament, there's nobody in the Word of God that I like reading after better than David. Me and David had a lot in common. You and David have a lot in common. 
We love the Lord and we love to worship. But we also are flawed. So David was a man after God's own heart. Handpicked by God over his seven bigger brothers. Chosen of God. And David, what else did he do? Remember, David waited his turn too. Until it was his time. And David done a lot of great things for God. And in everything that he did, he acknowledged God. When he stood on the battlefield when no one else would and challenged Goliath. And he had no fear of the size of Goliath. He was mad because Goliath was challenging the people of God. He said, you uncircumcised Philistine, who are you? And, and I love what he said because the Bible says that Goliath swore by his gods. Read that. He swore by his gods that he was going to take David out. And I love, whew, I love what David said. When he said, what you're going to find out this day is that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. The Bible says he danced before the Lord with all his heart. He gave everything he had to God. But he was flawed. He, you know the Bathsheba story. I don't even have to get into it. He counted the people and called for a census when it was against God's will. So there's things that David did that transgressed God. So who come along after David? It was Solomon. God found favor with Solomon. Let me rephrase that. Solomon found favor with God. To the point to where even when God told him, he said, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon said, just give me wisdom to judge your people. And I mean, that's something. Because you know what I'd say? A million bucks. New house, a Weigel's right next door, or a Buddy's barbecue in Elizabeth, and that stuff I'd ask for. But Solomon said, Give me the wisdom to judge your people. So God gave him that, and God showed him great favor. But guess what Solomon did? He turned his eyes to strange flesh. Strange women. He got wrapped up in things that weren't of God. You know why? Solomon was a follower of God. And Solomon had favor with God. But guess what? Solomon was flawed. And all through the years. There were good kings and bad. And the Bible will tell you. I mean one of the greatest kings they had. When he became king was eight years old. But the Bible says he did what was right in the eyes of God. But the next one might come along. And it said he didn't do what was right. In the eyes of God. So the fact that king after king after king after king was flawed. That made the whole kingdomship line flawed. Right? Amen. Amen. So, here we go. Let's look at the priest for a minute. Because that's the first thing we always think of. Right? He came. Christ is a royal priesthood. We understand. Right? He came to fulfill the priesthood. Because guess what? The kings were flawed and the priests were flawed Aaron right off the bat 
I mean, Moses was gone for 10 minutes, and he's gone longer than that. But when Moses was gone, what did Aaron do? Yeah, come on, let's build us a big gold calf. Aaron was the priest. So Christ had to fulfill the priesthood and make it a perfect priesthood, right? Amen. They were consecrated. They were sanctified. We know the whole process of, of the priesthood, but we know that it was also flawed. The reason I know that, if, if you have studied that any at all in the Word of God, you know that when they would go in to perform the ceremonial sacrifices, that there were some certain things that had to be done. The priests, they had to be consecrated. And they had to dress a certain way. And when they went into the holies of holies, there were two things that the priests did. One was they had bells that were sewn to the hem of their garment. And they had a rope that was tied around their waist. Now, for anybody that don't understand what that meant, what that meant was as they walked and while they were performing the, the, the ceremony of God in the holies of holies, if the bells were ringing, that means that they were okay. But if they went into the presence of God unworthy or not sanctified, the bells stopped ringing. Why? Because they hit the floor when they walked in. And the rope was to pull them back out. But in Hebrews 7 and 11, I'm building to a crescendo here, amen? So hang with me. The writer says, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was... The, my God, I feel a Holy Ghost. What further need was there that another priest should rise... After the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. Why did it have to be? Because in the line of Aaron, it was flawed. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Let's go to 15. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Woo! Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifies, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He established an eternal priesthood. He had to come and fix what was flawed by man. He had to come and set it straight because we messed it up. And that's when the word tells us that what he did, he did it once and for all. And we don't always take the significance of the words that he said himself when he hung on the cross. When he said it is finished. What was finished? It was the lineage, the line of the priesthood that we blew. We screwed it up. We messed it up. We defiled it. We had to have a perfect priest that would come. That was without spot or blemish. The perfect lamb to be sacrificed. A regular lamb or goat wouldn't do anymore. Rolling our sins ahead a year at a time wouldn't do anymore. The gulf that we talked about the other night between God and man was extinguished. The Holy Ghost. It was extinguished. Extending farther and farther and farther. We had to have a bridge. We had to have a perfect sacrifice. 
once and for all. So now I've brought you to this point. Can we agree that Christ came to fulfill the priesthood? Well, you're off, you're you're way off track. I thought you were talking about kings. You got into the priest. Christ came to fulfill the priesthood, right? But is that all he came for? The line of the priesthood was flawed. But so was the line of the kingdomship. And did he not say, behold, he didn't say I make the priesthood new. He didn't say I make the ceremonial law of sacrifice new. He said, behold, I make all things new. Solomon, or Saul was king for 42 years and it ended. David was king for 40 years and it ended. Solomon was king for 40 years and it ended. Israel had kings until 720 B.C. and it ended. Judah had kings until 586 B.C. and it ended. Why? Because it was flawed and it failed it was never of God in the first place. And it ended. So if we messed the priesthood up, who had to come fix it? And if we messed the kingdomship up, who had to come and fix it? The same man who restored the eternal priesthood. My God, somebody help me. Is the same man who restored... The kingdom ship. Luke. Now we're getting into that season, okay? This is a scripture from last week. And this is a scripture for this week. I'm reading you another one in a minute. Luke 1 and 26. It was, my grandpa used to say when you read the book of Luke, you can hear angel wings fluttering. I believe it. Luke 1 and 26. It was in the sixth month the angel of Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, I can't stand still, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. <laughs> Woo! And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now here we go. He shall be great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. What are you saying? I'm saying he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Yes, he came to establish a royal, eternal priesthood. But can I tell you, go ahead, give him praise today. The same Jesus that came and fulfilled the priesthood is the same Jesus that came and fulfilled the kingdomship. And his priesthood is eternal. And his kingdomship is without end. Hallelujah! Isaiah 9 and 7. 
Is this all right? Isaiah 9 and 7. Of the increase of his government and peace. Of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It is finished. All things have become new. Everything that we messed up, He came and fixed. Everything that we defiled, He came and sanctified. Everything that we turned away from, He brought us back to. He established that royal, eternal priesthood so that we wouldn't have to depend upon some man to go in. We don't have to worry about some man to go in into the holies of holies because the Bible says now when He hung on that cross, when He said, I make all things new, when He said it is finished, when He hung His head and drew His last breath, the Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent twain from top to bottom and now you and I can boldly go in to the throne room of grace. I don't have to depend on some man in an ephod or with bells hanging to speak to God for me. Somebody needs to worship the Lord. I don't need a man to go in and offer anything for me. I can do it myself. Hallelujah. I don't need a man to petition God for me. I've got plenty that do and I'm grateful for it. But I can do it myself. I don't need somebody to cry out to God for my needs. Because I'm able. I'm able to do it myself. But not only did He fulfill all that for us. Woo. John 18 and 36. Anybody feel as good as I do today? Oh, let's just go to 35. He's standing in the courtyard of Pilate who thought he had a little authority. Pilate had some earthly authority. Right? Oh, and he tried to flex that. Pilate said, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Whoo. Jesus fully understood what we need to understand today. And the first thing he said, we need to understand this today as Christians. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Can I say that again? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world... Then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Oh my God. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are thou a king? Jesus answered and said, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. Hallelujah. 
that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. I want to tell you, he ended up becoming a little bit of a believer himself because when they hung him on the cross, he put up that sign that said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. I said, oh, no, 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 no. No, you wrote that he says that he's King of the Jews. And he said, what I've written, I've written. What was he saying? I, I think he believed it. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But he's more than that. He's king of the Gentiles. He's my king. And listen, I don't care. I don't know what people think. You think I don't care. You think whatever you want. People have different views on it. All I know is wherever Jesus is, it'll be heaven. I know wherever Jesus is, but I'm telling you this. Here's what I think. I think that what he said he meant, he said his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is not of this world. And His throne is not carnal. His throne is not man-made. His kingdomship is not established through man. It's not established through a line or a lineage. His kingdomship is forevermore. And one day, He will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be exalted and lifted up. Every eye will see Him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Him that He is Jesus the Christ. He is the King. He is is the Son of the living God. Give Him praise today. So He established a royal priesthood. And now He's established a heavenly kingdom. You think of all the, the, uh, the, the, the dynasties and the things that have come and gone. Of these great palaces, these great throne rooms, these great uh, wealth and riches, all of them have or will pass away. Great dynasties and kingdomships and lineages have risen and they've fallen. Oh, you think about some of the, the this this great architecture, these castles and palaces and things that have been built for kings all through history. Oh, the the greatest wonders of the world. The greatest things that could ever be created. And guess what? They crumbled. Why? Because the earthly kingdomship is flawed and it is final. But the kingdomship of God, oh, that kingdom... That I'm going to. Ooh, that kingdom. That I'm going to be a part of one day. Thieves can't get in. Moths can't corrupt it. There's no course of time. There's no worry about rust or decay. There's no worry about overthrow. All through the years. If there was a kingdom that raised up. There was another kingdom that raised up to take it down. Every time a kingdom went up. Another one fell. If kingdoms rose up side by side, they would go to war with each other. But the kingdom that I'm going to, the kingdom where I'm going, I don't have to worry about intruders. I don't have to worry about overthrows. I don't have to worry about political corruption. I don't have to worry about a king that will oppress his people and hold them under his thumb like we see all through the course of history. The king that I serve, he's not going to oppress me and throw me crumbs. He's invited me to sit at his table today. Amen. That's the king that I serve today. His kingdom is not of this world. And his kingdom is eternal. 
Oh, and that day will come. Come to the music. Somebody needs to worship God today. Now, the Bible talks about that day of judgment as the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, let me ask you, as a Christian who knows without a doubt in your spirit that you're saved, sanctified, bought by the blood, covered by the blood, what is that day going to be like for you? Great or terrible? I know this much. When I stand before Him, oh my goodness. It's going to be a great day. And I know on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But I haven't waited until that day. I'm ready to do it right now. To bow at His feet. To lift my hands to the Savior. To confess Him as Lord of Lords. To acknowledge Him as King. What if you don't know Him? What if you don't know Him? He's going to come just like that. I've often said many times... How foolish, how unwise Hezekiah may have been. Why do you say that? If the Lord sent somebody, a messenger, if the Lord spoke himself to me and said, get everything in order because you're getting ready to die. (laughs) Son, you talk about somebody kicking back, raising your hands and come on, Lord Jesus. But it scared Hezekiah. And I don't want to die. That's why I don't plan on dying. I don't want to die. And I'm sure he didn't either. It scared him. So he started petitioning God. Lord, just, and God gave him 15 more years. And in those 15 years, he started floundering. But not everybody gets that opportunity. God don't come to everybody and say, okay, it's your time. Now, he did that to many other of the patriarchs. If you read that, David and, and others, when they, it was their time, they knew. The Bible says they just they pulled their feet up in the bed and they went on. But not everybody has that opportunity of knowing. And what that means is not everybody's going to have that opportunity to make things right. So today is the day of salvation. Because on that day that his eternal kingdomship is established, I want to be one where he looks at and says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. For those of us that know him, what a day that will be. A great day that will be. But if you don't, what a terrible day that will be. Now, I trust everybody here knows him, but only you and God know for sure. Is there one to raise your hand and say, I want to be in the eternal kingdom. I want to be a part of that 
eternal priesthood. Just by lifting your hands, is there anyone say, remember me when you pray anywhere in the building? I trust everybody. I hope we are. But I'm glad to know that one day, gosh, I hope I'm right there and I I am going to be. When, When that crown, you can lift your eyes. When that crown is raised, when it's placed upon his head, And he's acknowledged forevermore as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Can you imagine what a time that's going to be? We won't get tired of worshiping. We won't have the devil trying to put thoughts in your head. You're not worthy to lift your hands. You're not worthy to acknowledge... You, 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 gotta, you need to slide on out. You've got to go to work tomorrow. You need to, you need to do... You, we don't have to worry about that. We don't even have to worry about praising Him until we get tired because we won't get tired. We can forever acknowledge Him and bow at His feet. Won't that be glorious? Won't that be glorious? Amen. Does somebody have a need of prayer today? If you need something from God, you want to come? How many church folks will come and let's, let's get something together? Maybe we can try to get a song together or something. Uh, if you got a need, you come. Otherwise, who else will come? Who will come and help us pray?